I never pretend to say that I played the game. You know, I understand that most people who sit in an analyst chair are former players. And I understand that they can say way more than I could ever say, you know. But I think for a growing sport in this country, it needed something else than X's and O's. And it needed something else than just former players telling you that certain things. I think, you know, what I try and bring, David, is just, um, you know, just a narrative to things and, and, and a context in sport. This is Culture at a Crossroads with David Mann. All right. With me in conversation, we have from CPL Soccer and One Soccer, Christian Jack. Thanks for making the time. David, pleasure to be on with you. Thanks for inviting me. Now, your world is soccer. Your world is uh, the game. If you weren't doing this, where would you be working, do you think? <laughs> That's a great question. I think I would probably be working closely with people. I had a little bit of a stint as a, as a rehabilitation coach during my my career working with people with acquired brain injuries. And I love that ability to connect with people and make a difference. So uh, I don't know where I would be. And maybe teaching, maybe just doing a little bit something with kids or something. But God's called me to do this. And thankfully, I've been blessed to come and move to this wonderful country and and cover this great game in this in this country at different elements of it in the media so it's been um it's been an interesting journey no doubt let's talk about your journey so you grew up in the uk big soccer country when did soccer or to be more correct football really steal your heart well, soccer or football doesn't matter to me. It's either one. There's no wrong or right answer. When did it steal my heart? I don't. Th- I just think from a very early age. I think I grew up in a very passionate sports family. It wasn't just that sport. We were sports mad. We went everywhere uh, as a family, going to different things. And and England is not just about football, right? It doesn't matter if it's cricket, rugby, motorsports, car racing. There's lots of lots of things that ca- captured us, and we would go out and as a sports family. And but you mentioned it. Football is is the number one sport in the world for a reason, and um, it's certainly the biggest sport in England by a long way. You know, there's 92 professional football clubs in that country, you know, a country of 60 million and how close proximity is. You can literally drive from one professional outfit to another in 10 or 15 minutes and cover it. So it gave me a great opportunity as a young teenager to try and get opportunities to go to the sport. And and so I think from a very early age, to be honest, when I discovered that I wasn't quite athletic enough to make it as a professional, how do you, how do you find a way to get in the game? And, um, I grew up loving sports and, and storytelling. And so I thought that was a great combination to try and go into that. And and I went to journalism school, you know, hoping to to find a way into sports journalism and, and was very fortunate to do that in two different countries now. How clear was it that uh, Canada would be uh, the, the second country you'd go to? Not very clear at all for a long time. I mean, I never, I've never imagined that one, I would move to Canada and two, that I would become an on air television and radio analyst and broadcaster for football or soccer. I just thought I would, I just enjoyed writing, you know, and in the end, you know, North America was very much calling me. I had an opportunity to go to, ex- to get some experience through a family friend in Atlanta at CNN in the nineties. And then my family started to really spend a lot of time over here in North America. We were very blessed in uh, 1997 to come to Canada. And instead of doing the hotel thing, we had family friends that lived in Ontario in the GTA area. And, we went and stayed with them for a while and got to see what North American living was like a little bit more, I think, David. And that gave us, that was obviously a window into our future. We went home and then decided that as a family, we were all going to go over and my parents gave up everything and, and I gave up my job and my brother was just coming out of college and we moved to a different land and 
you know, took a couple of years to, to, to get the papers through and arrived in fresh and new and not knowing anything or anybody and, and started again. And so we just felt it was the right thing to do. And it took a long time to, to get on our feet, but there was never any regrets. You, you mentioned giving up everything. Would one of those things have included covering the biggest soccer league in the world? You're taking possibly a big step back coming to Canada. Yeah. I mean, I covered lots of sports at that time. And so I tried to get into covering sports in this country and I love North American sports. Even then, you know, I was the kind of kid that had hockey and baseball posters on my wall as well. When I was younger, basketball, I loved the North American lifestyle. So it wasn't, it wasn't alien to me. It wasn't unusual to talk about, you know, Barry Bonds or Michael Jordan or, you know, you name it, you know, I knew these figureheads, Mario Lemieux, Gretzky, but it was just very difficult to get anybody to pay attention to, uh, you know, a 21 year old journalism, sports journalism graduate. So it was hard. So yeah, to give up that kind of thing and come here, didn't really know that football would be in my future, to be honest. I mean, mm. I, I arrived in this country, soccer, football, whatever your preference was very, I think of a, a very peripheral sport that not necessarily many people certainly didn't really cover it for a living, a very much a well-played sport in terms of how many people played the sport, but it didn't necessarily lead to opportunities at the professional level. So I didn't really know what was next. And um, yeah, just a lot of, uh, a lot of trusting in God and believing you're here mm. and just seeing where it would take you. Wow. So you didn't have tunnel vision on soccer. You weren't a, a one sport guy could have made the transition to another sport if that's where the job was. Yeah. So I, I eventually got an internship at the score television network. If you remember that channel, it was like the third yep. channel out of the three, the main ones, TSN and sports and a national network that was very I, much the best app. I thought, I thought for a while. Right. Yeah. It still does have a great app, but a national network that very much skewed very young. I got an opportunity to go there. So to answer your question, no, I didn't go there believing that I would cover soccer. I just went that's cover sports, you know, and I did everything, you know, script writing on the NFL, producing in the Canadian Football League, cover, you know, working for a, a show called Sports World where we did a lot of, you know, European sports to North American viewers and did everything. You know, I worked on the assignment desk there and worked with NHL teams and booking interviews for our talent and cameramen to do when they came into different cities and working with the bureaus across the country. It was a wonderful place to grow up and make friends because I was very fortunate to go there. It took a number of years when I moved to Canada to get in, but I was there for over a decade. It was almost like journalism, uh, university journalism again and university broadcasting, but you got a little, you got paid not well, but you got paid and you made a lot of friends and we had a lot of fun. You know what I mean? And there has been some fantastic talent that's come out of there and some, you know, world class broadcasters now working across this great continent that all came from the score television network. Oh, that's, that's really special. Would you say there was a point where you realized that soccer was picking up some serious steam in this country as far as uh, wanting to absorb it in a professional league? I think the birth of Toronto FC made a big difference, David, to be honest. I think ultimately when I came here, it was clear that a wonderfully multicultural country so many different experiences of World Cups were special, no? Like you walk around this country and during a World Cup and you see so many different colors and faces and vibrance and the looks and people from all over the world, right? And so you knew that the desire there to, to take in the sport was real. Whether they were born in Canada or they were first generation Canadians, it was clear that that sport was very much valued within that family. But there wasn't a lot of participation in terms of going to a professional game, you know, you, you just didn't get that kind of thing. So that bridge needed to be built and Toronto FC built that, you know, they, they decided that the Toronto needed a franchise in major league soccer. They built BMO field. They attracted people to go to the game that led to the Vancouver Whitecaps getting NMLS and Montreal impact at the time in Montreal. And suddenly we had three professional clubs 
within Major League Soccer and people could go and support them and and show that culture that we see all over the world where the you know the sport has people representing them and that the, that region representing them for a reason. So I think that was really the the big bridge that needed to be built that led to other things like the you know the Canadian Premier League and the and the emergence of more people following the Women's World Cup and then the 2015 Women's World Cup came along in Canada, which was a really important, I think, signal for for the, for the sport in this country and there's great crowds for that. So it's been a, a huge wave, I think, that, that was really started probably around about 15, 16 years ago. What does it meant to you, KJ, to be able to tell that story? It's really, really special. You know, I... I never pretend to say that I played the game. You know, I understand that most people who sit in an analyst chair are former players. And I understand that they can say way more than I could ever say, you know. But I think for a, a growing sport in this country, it needed something else than X's and O's. And it needed something else than just former players telling you that certain things. I think, you know, what I try and bring, David, is just a narrative to things and, and, and a context and sport and explain things and, you know, speak to a lot of people, bring the passion that I have for this country and, and and the sport and try and bring some insight into into it and entertain and have some fun with it at the same time. But just to, to try and explain where we've come from. And, you know, as I said, I was a new Canadian as well, but I think what I've witnessed since I've been here since 2000 is, is a transformation, you know, in terms of the sport in this country. And it's been a pleasure to continue to try and tell that, you know, obviously I did it for the score for 10 years and TSN for eight years. And now I've been with one soccer and the Canadian Premier League for over a couple of years now. So it's quite scary to think I'm into my third decade already in this country talking about the sport. Now, if we could just dial in on one of the things you mentioned about the storyline of, of Canadian soccer, uh, you did bring up uh, the women's team and, you know, there's been some flack as to them not maybe getting the coverage that they deserved. Uh, we're finally going to see uh, a women's league come to Canada uh, in the next few years. But what's your take on that? And uh, I, I know you you were pretty uh, candid about women when you were in Qatar too. Just how that's been a, a piece that that maybe you've been pushing in on as a soccer broadcaster in this country. Yeah, I mean, in many ways, the women's national team have been you know the ones that have shown the way in terms of high performance at the top elite level, right? You know, they got back-to-back bronze medals in Olympics and then they won the gold in, in the last Olympic Games. Their, their, their sustained success has been has been magnificent to, to move the needle in this country. You know, when you get to go to watch this team and this group of powerful women and individuals, you see just what an impact they have on young kids in this country, you know, and they are genuine heroes to these people you know and they they go there and they they have posters of them and they have their jerseys and they have their face painting and that's a culture and they've really led the way in all of that so you know it's great to see so many successful of the players from that team that performing at a high level across the world and and now now they get their moment you know with their world cup in the 2023 in the summer of 2023 in australia and new zealand and it won't be easy but they go there as one of the major contenders and that's that's really special. So like for me, in, in terms of answering your question, it's clear that, you know, a professional women's league, there's a need for it. It's great to see what League One is doing, the amateur league in terms of across this country and giving opportunities for players. I'm not convinced that the professional women's league, once it gets going, will be able to attract the world-class players and the Canadian players home right away after all they're playing in elite level competition in the Champions League where they should be um, across the world. Uh, but it's clear that if the investment is right, that, you know, the 
that there is a need for it in this country, just like there is with the men's league, with the Canadian Premier League, and what kind of culture that is continuing to bring and the opportunities that's bringing to Canadians because it is a Canadian Premier League made for Canadians. Yeah, would you say that the CPL and, um, I mean, I guess by extension, the MLS too, is, is closing the gap with some of the leagues in Europe and elsewhere in the world? Well, undoubtedly, the, you know, the money that's being poured into Major League Soccer right now, and many people, if if you're not a football fan, will have probably have still heard of Lionel Messi. And Lionel Messi is arguably the greatest player of all time and uh, just won the World Cup as a captain of Argentina in Qatar, where you mentioned I was. And he he's just moving to, to, to Major League Soccer to play for, for Miami. Now, he's clearly on the end of his career. And he's clearly getting paid very well for it, but it's still a huge needle mover. And it's still going to fill stadiums across this continent. And so Major League Soccer... Uh, are doing a great job of that. You know, they're going to different markets and we're seeing full stadiums and we're seeing a culture and an atmosphere develop that looks like South America or looks like in Europe. It's just, that's just important for that. So they, they believe that they can be one of the top leagues in the world. Um, and you know, I wouldn't count them out. And with the Canadian Premier League, it is literally five years old. You know, it's, and two of those years were played during a pandemic. So it's been a challenge. But I think already we've seen the the tremendous quality that it's providing for these young Canadian players. We've seen players come through the Canadian Premier League and go on to play in big clubs in Europe and go on to play and represent the national team and go on to play in Major League Soccer. And teams and countries around the world are trusting this league to develop players. And that's a real credit, I think, for, for everybody with involved in that league and the coaches and the clubs to be able to produce those level of players and to have so many young Canadians get that chance. You know, it's clear, David, that, you know, we mentioned the three MLS clubs in this country. They only, they can only give 11 players a starting position every week. And a lot of young players come through those academies and eventually get released. And where would they go then? You know, we need a pathway like a lot of other sports in this country, you know, junior hockey and minor hockey gives people an opportunity. And there's there's lots of professional players around the world that necessarily were told when they were teenagers, you're not going to make it. And then they just needed to keep going and grinding and get that opportunity. And that's what the CPL provides for for these young players age, you know, anywhere mainly in the from canadian anywhere from you know 16 to 24 as as the as the the bulk of the players it gives them a tremendous opportunity to come through play in a professional environment and then hopefully go on and and, and continue to have a fine career it is uh, amazing the, the the growth we've seen and uh you have an interesting look at at this because as you said you, you still uh are a broadcaster for one soccer but you were full time at that as a sports broadcaster prior to jumping on as the VP of media and content at CPL. What attracted you to that, to making that shift in your career? I've seen this play out a few times from other journalists. Do you appreciate it even more having already been on the side of the microphone that you are now being in management? I still see it very differently. I I mean, of course, I'm still, I'm not doing as many broadcasts, but for me, you know, at the Canadian Premier League, I wake up every morning and think, how do I, how can we make sure our clubs and players are seen more? And how can we tell the stories, right? Like ultimately, I understand now I'm working for a league that I still think Canadians are finding every day, didn't know existed, you know, sports fans, soccer fans. Oh, what is the Canadian Premier League? Oh, where where, where is it being played? So we as a media team have a responsibility to tell these stories, to work with our clubs and to get more attention on it. So that's an incredibly difficult 
thing to do and it's really rewarding it's really exciting you know these clubs and these players are fabulous to work with absolutely fabulous and they're open to doing lots of different things to allow us into their space and uh, and showcase what a wonderful quality they that they have in different aspects both as people and as players so yeah i, I was i was really intrigued by the opportunity to go there and to tell the stories professionalize it a little bit more and then obviously as you said work with our Broadcast partners want soccer to help them on their side and continue to work with them as when we cover the national team and the CPL as well. And just telling stories, David, is great. You know, just explaining to the people what some of these people are like is is a real pleasure and a real joy of mine. KJ, you said that uh, this next generation is not going to be growing up with cable in the same way that that you or I did. Already, Sports Center is not nearly as attractive as it once was. Uh, the the morning, you know, highlight shows. What do you see as the future for sports broadcasting and and something like the CPL as far as really engaging with an audience that's changing in this media landscape? Yeah, I think you have to do exactly what you just said. I think you have to engage. I think people want to be spoken to um, uh, in terms of involving them in the conversation and uh, not spoken at. I think that's really important is that you give them a voice and you have the ability to connect with them. We're working in a social media age now where, you know, the next generation of people are expecting to be, you know, to have their Snapchat open right away or to get message back right away. And, you know, don't, don't leave you unopened or undelivered. And, and I think that, you know, you need to connect with these people and that should be in everything that we do, every social post we put out. You know, I think about sports broadcasting now and the way that it's done and, you know, it, it shouldn't just be about a rudimentary play-by-play of what's happening in front of you. It should be a conversation. You know, it should be, oh, this person said this and let's open up our social media tab and bring this in. And then you go back to calling the game a little bit and you include these people within the conversation. And um, and I think there's different tactful ways to do that. It doesn't have to be overbearing, but I think that's really important going forward. And as you alluded to, you know, the, the world in which we grew up in where you would wake up in the morning and turn on your highlight show is changing forever. You know, you can get anything you want on your smartphone in, in seconds right after it's done. Mm-hmm. And that when you work for a league is also important for us to understand what's instant, what needs to go up when, and, and as soon as games happen or as soon as moments happen, how do we engage right away with that kind of things when, when, it, when it's live and when it's happening right away, that's an immediate, I think that's really important to get that trending thing out there. Very insightful. KJ, you say how much of a joy it is for you to tell a story, and that is such an appeal for someone in your industry. What's come up time and time again in this conversation is is how God has directed you. How are you finding ways to tell that story of what he's done in your life in this field, if at all? Yeah, I mean, I think I've been a little bit more ambitious in that role over the last couple of seasons shows like this and i've done other shows as well where i want to talk about my faith that that is ultimately my life you know that's what i'm guided towards you know ultimately it's about me and him right and uh that's the most important relationship of all of everything that else that i've said so i think you know the more and more i get a little bit more ambitious to talk about that is important like ultimately david like as i said earlier i went to school for journalism i wanted to tell stories behind a pen or behind a keyboard I never for once in the world did I ever imagine that I would be front facing and I would be a broadcaster with, you know, where people would get to know me and see me on camera. Um, but that was his calling and he gave me the inner peace to be able to do that. And then I was obviously placed in that position for a reason, whatever tiny notoriety or people, you know, comes with it is then an opportunity for me to show people what I am as well. And, you know, to show people that 
the way and not be afraid of my relationship with that. So hopefully that answers your question a little bit. But as I said, it's just, again, being open and honest in those discussions. And as I said, I think comes back to the word authenticity, which is a, a big one for me and always just being myself. Oh, thanks for for leaning in. And that's so neat that you uh, have taken that step from newspaper to TV and radio. I know they they are very, very different. I'm curious just to get your read on the industry of, of sport and particularly soccer. Where do you see as perhaps openings for the gospel? Yeah, I think the great thing about the game of football is that it's there's so many people from so many different backgrounds, right? That's the great thing about it for me is that, you know, we can all inspire and talk about, you know, our spiritual journeys. Yet so many people have been come from different countries and look very different. And I think that's what's so special about it for me is that it doesn't have to be the one way that everybody says, you know, it isn't just because I, they look like me or they look like you, you know, like I was, you know, I was interviewing a player recently and I asked him a question about a crazy game. And he, you know, the first thing he did was, was give, give praise to God and thank him for the opportunity to, to score that goal in, in, in the last 10 minutes, you know, and, you know, at that moment, my response to that is well said, amen to that, you know, and that's just my little affirmation at that moment to just say, yeah, you're right. We're both believers in the, in this moment. And, you know, the great thing is sometimes as players are finding their voice and, and able to do that more, you know, I, I think many years ago, the last generation or a little bit before my time, everyone was told, you know, just, just talk about football, you know, but players now and sports all over the world, I think are, are getting more of a voice to come out and explain what, you know, why they are built the way they built and what, what they're passionate about. And I think that's what I want to be there to help them do that, to tell that story. You know, I spent a long time in the off season getting to know all of my players in the league and finding out, you know, some of those things and, and connecting with those so I can help those young men tell stories as well within our league and, and tell them about their journey and then, you know, let them tell their journey to me. So I think that's some an, an area for me where I can, much like yourself, David, and the great job that you're doing is just providing them an outlet, right? Oh, that's really neat. Not just about you as a broadcaster who who can be more authentic. It's, it's also the players. Just to wrap this up, Christian, I'm curious, you've talked about the importance of authenticity and engagement in terms of how soccer needs to, you know, be with fans and vice versa. But with that, there does come this fear and and this realization that we've seen in, in media where there's not so much grace in the public court of opinion, because once something is documented, as you know, it's there and uh, we can really jump on that. What are your thoughts on navigating that as a Christian? It's a great point. And I could probably talk a lot longer than that we have on this. And I love the word grace. And I think, again, first of all, I just lean in and lean in authenticity. And, you know, we are spiritually attacked in different areas, right? Like, so if I wanted to open my social media account at a certain point after I've had a strong opinion, you know, I may well be reading things where people don't, you know, maybe being quite mean or, or whatever. And there are different ways to go about that, right? First of all, I don't, as somebody who's now comfortable in their forties, I may not have said this when I was in my twenties or my teenage years, but I don't go on there anymore for affirmation. I don't go on there for people to tell me that I'm good or that I'm bad at my job, right? Like they're entitled to their opinion just as much as I'm entitled to mine. So, you know, I go and, you know, for me, it just, as long as I can feel like that my family and my close people around me feel like that I'm continuing to be myself, that's the most important thing. I understand for the younger generation, it's harder because they do care a little bit more about what people think about them. But I think with experience, David, it comes with a time where you start to become a little bit more comfortable. And as I said, for me, just going back to it, it is 
it's just a, it's it's a, it's about me and me and God, right? Like as long as I'm doing by, good by Him, the rest of the things will take care of itself. So, yes, it can be a cruel world, but I think the key thing is is to just make sure that as long as you stay humble and you say that you know humble service in the body of Christ, right? Like Romans, and and then if you can keep that and be authentic to yourself, then I think that no matter what other people do or say or attack, then I think you'll be fine and you'll you'll be able to certainly continue to sleep more comfortable at night. It's a very encouraging and uh, sobering note to end on. We've been in conversation with Christian Jack from CPL Soccer and One Soccer. It's been a privilege. Thanks for making the time. My pleasure, David. Keep up the fantastic work. Uh, God bless you and your listeners. If you like what you hear and you're a business owner, would you consider coming on as a local or national sponsor? If so, you can contact me at davidmanmedia at gmail.com. That's davidman with two N's, media at gmail.com. Thanks for listening today, and we do invite you back next week as we once again explore the intersection between faith and culture in Canada, helping to better equip you in following Jesus. <laughs>